Welcome to More Christianity. I'm Father Dwight Longenecker, and this is the program where we explore the fullness of the Christian faith in the Catholic Church. Week by week, we have a whole range of different topics. We speak to a convert and hear their story of coming into the Catholic Church. We talk about a saint. We talk about the different aspects of Catholic culture, architecture, art, music, literature. We also discuss the supernatural aspects of the faith, and in a joyful and, I hope, uh, an intelligent way, we try to embrace the fullness of the Catholic faith and share that with our listeners in a way which encourages you to learn more about your faith and go further in your faith and to share it with others. In today's program, we're going to be talking to Dana Elzey, who is the directress of the Secular Institute of St. Francis de Sales. She lives her life following Jesus Christ in the path of St. Francis de Sales. So this is the particular saint we're talking about today. St. Francis de Sales is known especially for his gentleness, for his affability, for his sweetness in his work in a very difficult time in a very difficult place. He was born in the 21st of August, 1567, in the Duchy of Savoy, which is now a part of France, part of France over near the Alps, right near Switzerland and the Italian border. And he grew up there in a noble family. His father was well-off and part of the French nobility. His mother was also from a very fine family, and he received a very good education. It was thought that he would go into a profession, probably into the law, and so he was given a very first-class education. However, his uh, church and his his culture were plunged into the Protestant Reformation at that time. You might remember your dates. 1520 is the date that we set for the beginning of the Protestant Reformation. And so that part of France, Germany, Switzerland... Northern Italy was all engulfed in the upheavals of the Protestant Reformation. And so his Catholicism was formed in that time of conflict, a time when many were leaving the church. There was a lot of disturbance and upset. And in the middle of all this conflict, this anger, this rage, and this disappointment, St. Francis de Sales was formed. His crucial experience came at the age of 17 when uh, he was engulfed in a personal crisis of his faith. He was involved in a theological discussion at school about predestination. That's the idea that God has a set future planned out for each one of us, and it's something that we can't change. This plunged him into a crisis of faith in which he believed that he was going to be damned to hell. He actually became physically sick and bedridden with worry and fear about this conviction that he was actually going to go to hell, and there was nothing he could do about it. The crisis ended in prayer before a famous statue of Our Lady of Good Deliverance and he decided to dedicate his life to God. At that point, he also became convinced that God was good, that God wanted goodness for all of his creation, that he wanted goodness for all of his children, and that he was not predestinating anyone to hell. In fact, that he wanted to save all of them and reach out to them. It was on this conviction of God's love and God's goodness that all of his life's work was to be based I already mentioned that St. Francis de Sales came from a noble family and had a wonderful education, a classical education in all the languages and logic. Therefore, it made him a very great writer. And St. Francis de Sales began his greatest work, which is called The Introduction to the Devout Life. And it was unusual for the time because it addressed the question of spirituality for all people, not just religious monks and nuns and priests, but instead he was writing for lay people. The text of the Introduction to the Devout Life began with some letters to a noblewoman, Madame de Charmoisy, and he addresses her as a lover of God. The correspondence began when she was the ambassador to the Duke of Savoy, so she was a noblewoman, and she confided to Francis her desire for to be holy, to be pious, amidst the struggles and the distractions of her everyday life. And so uh, he began writing these letters to her, letters of instruction, and they began to be accumulated, and he gathered them together and edited them into his famous work, Introduction to the Devout Life. 
one of the reasons it's so important and has helped so many people is because it does actually ground the spiritual life in ordinary experiences. He uses an awful lot of ordinary examples from everyday life. Uh, he talks about the little incidences of life and how they can be used to turn things around and be used for the spiritual benefit. It's a simple way. It's a way which is grounded in uh, ordinary life for ordinary people. St. Francis de Sales went on in 1602 to become the Bishop of Geneva. His gentleness and his kindness to all won many, many people back to the Catholic faith, those who had departed for Protestantism. As a result of his work and his gentleness and his uh, his goodness, uh, he's left some uh, in his writings some wonderful quotations. I'll share a few of them with you because they actually capture his whole spirit and his whole mood. He said, Do not lose courage in considering your own imperfections. St. Francis de Sales was uh, very careful to understand that all of us are frail, well, all of us are fragile human beings, and that we're all struggling and carrying a great burden, and therefore uh, he wishes to be compassionate and wishes us to be compassionate to others. Uh, he also said, Do not wish to be anything but what you are, and try to be that perfectly. What a wonderful insight in a society which is so image-conscious and so many people who are trying so hard to attain to something which they think they have to get to in life, rather than simply being themselves but being that perfectly. You see, he had an understanding that God created us just as we are and that he calls us to a great destiny to be the fullness of what he wants us to be. He said this as well, nothing is so strong as gentleness, nothing is so gentle as real strength. In a world where strength is perceived as violence and strength is perceived as forcing our way on others, St. Francis de Sales comes back and corrects us and says that nothing is so strong as gentleness, nothing so gentle as real strength. Let me share a couple more of his quotations with you. He says, Never be in a hurry. Do everything quietly and in a calm spirit. Do not lose your inner peace for anything whatsoever, even if your whole world seems upset. How often we bounce from one crisis to another. How often we get involved in little personal soap operas with people when we actually have to step back and simply rely on that inner peace that the Holy Spirit brings us. If we have that peace, we also have the confidence, we have the strength to move forward into what God has planned for each one of us. Here's one. Have patience with all things, but chiefly have patience with yourself. Don't blame yourself all the time. We're all carrying burdens. We all have frailties. We all have difficulties. Be gentle with yourself. Be patient with yourself. God has a limitless amount of patience and kindness towards us. We need to be a little bit more kind towards ourselves as well. Finally, he says, reputation is rarely proportioned to virtue. Are you worried about your reputation in the world? Are you worried about what people think of you? Don't worry about it so much. Worry about virtue. Worry about drawing closer to God. Worry about drawing closer to Christ and his Holy Spirit to allow him to draw you into that patience, that confidence, and that joy that St. Francis de Sales shows us. I'm Father Dwight Longenecker. You're listening to More Christianity. We're talking today today about St. Francis de Sales, the great saint and writer, patron saint of writers, and also Bishop of Geneva. Our guest in the second part of the program is going to be Dana Elsie, who is the directress of the Secular Institute of St. Francis de Sales. So what happened to St. Francis? Eventually, St. Francis de Sales was appointed as the Bishop of Geneva in 1602, as I've said. He went on to have a wonderful ministry there of preaching and teaching, he was known also as a friend of the poor and a man of, it says uh, in his biographies, of supernatural affability and understanding. In other words, he was a genuinely nice guy. If you would see him, you would want to be with him. He would be kind to you. Uh, he would be generous. He had a good sense of humor, and he wanted to be with people and share with people the goodness and the love of God that he had come to experience himself. 
Because of his holiness, because of the radiant love which he showed in his life, he went on to inspire a good number of other Catholic works and Catholic apostolates. Here are a few of them. The Missionaries of St. Francis de Sales was founded in the 19th century to adapt St. Francis de Sales' spirituality to missionary work. The Religious Institute of the Salesians, that's Don Bosco. Don Bosco, with his work with the poor in the 19th century in Italy, also claimed his inspiration from St. Francis de Sales. The Oblate Sisters of St. Francis de Sales, they were founded also in the 19th century under the guidance of St. Francis de Sales and the inspiration of St. Francis. The Oblates of St. Francis de Sales, the Paulist Fathers in the United States, will also count him as one of their patrons. The Institute of Christ the King, Sovereign Priest, also the Secular Institutes of St. Francis de Sales, which we're going to talk about in just a moment when we have our guest, Dana Elsie. She's the directress of the Secular Institute of St. Francis de Sales here in the United States, and she tries to live out her life and inspire others to live out their lives following in the simplicity, the gentleness, and the love that St. Francis de Sales shows in our life. You're listening to Father Dwight Longenecker. I'm the host of this program, More Christianity, and today we're discussing St. Francis de Sales, the author of An Introduction to the Devout Life. Before we continue with the program, I'd like to share with you one of the books I've written. Catholicism Pure and Simple is just that. It introduces people to the Catholic faith using simple language and goes step by step through the reason Jesus Christ came into the world, the Holy Spirit, the foundation of the church, the sacraments, the life of prayer, and the the life of being a Catholic. I wrote Catholicism Pure and Simple in order to share the Catholic faith with people who need to be evangelized. I've also used it for 8th grade confirmation and RCIA. Connect with Catholicism Pure and Simple. You can find it on my website, DwightLongenecker.com. And now, back to more Christianity. This is Father Dwight Longenecker, and you're listening to More Christianity, where we explore the fullness of the Christian faith uh, in the Catholic Church. In the first half of the program today, we were discussing the wonderful Saint, Saint Francis de Sales, As we do month by month, we consider a saint, uh, and the program follows through, and we consider Catholic culture, we consider the supernatural aspect of the faith, we talk to converts, because in many different ways we're exploring the fullness of the Christian faith in our wonderful Catholic Church. Now today, we have as our guest, and now in the second half of the program, uh, Dana Eldsey. Now Dana lives in Middletown, Pennsylvania. That's just south of Harrisburg, and Dana's joined us here on the program because she is a special follower of St. Francis de Sales. One of the things I like to say about our guests is that they follow Jesus Christ in the way of the particular saint. So when we had a Franciscan guest, I would say he follows Jesus Christ in the way of St. Francis. And today, Dana is our guest, and she follows Jesus Christ in the way of St. Francis de Sales. She's a member of the directress, actually, of the DeSales Secular Institute. Welcome to More Christianity, Dana. Thank you, Father. I'm delighted to be here. And uh, Dana, as you know, we're talking today about St. Francis de Sales, and I suppose as the directress of the DeSales Secular Institute, you really must be an expert in St. Francis de Sales. Is that right? Oh, I'd like to believe it, but it's just not true. Um, (laughs) I'm I'm sure you're more of an expert than you. But because you're such a holy woman, Dana, you must also be humble. Is that correct? Um, I'm not sure I even have that virtue, but I try. I try. And um, Francis de Sales is a big help, you know, in that regard. And if you had said Uh, that you were humble, I would have been very worried. Because, of course, (laughs) if you say you're humble, then you're not. 
Dana, we spoke earlier and uh, you explained to me that you've a laywoman, that you've been working in business over the years. But today we're talking about someone who's very special to you, and that's St. Francis de Sales. Can you just tell us a little bit about what attracted you to this, this wonderful saint to start with? Well, I first met de Sales. I was involved with the Don Bosco group. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he was Don Bosco's patron. And I would, all, I would often ask people, you know, who is the sales? I mean, Don Bosco named his religious order after him, but nobody seemed to know. Mm-hmm. So I eventually read his books, and um, it took a while because his culture was so different from ours. Mm-hmm. But when I got to know the sales more. I really fell in love with his spirituality. Good. And when you say that you read his book, you mean you read the introduction to the devout life? I did. I and did. explain to me a little bit more about the connection between Don Bosco and and De Sales, because uh, Don Bosco founded the uh, religious community of the Salesians, right? And the Salesians right. take the name from Saint Francis De Sales. So, how did Don Bosco? How was he so inspired by by Saint Francis De Sales? I think it was because he was so different from De Sales. De Sales was, you know, from the nobility and and he was very sophisticated and Don Bosco was a country boy. Mm-hmm. And and I think he was inspired by the spirituality because it gave his order an element that he couldn't give it himself. Right. And I think De Sales was a real genius doing that for people and I think that he does that for his followers today. Because he was, in so many ways, he was so perfect, and you mm-hmm. look at his life, and he helps you along because his perfection was so great. Mm-hmm. You talk about his spirituality. Some of us are not as familiar with St. Francis de Sales and his spirituality as we might like. Can you sum it up for us in a short and pithy way so that we can understand perhaps the ethos or the, or the particular charism of St. Francis de Sales? For me, what he does, especially in the introduction to the devout life, he starts by telling people they need to want to be devout, they need to want to be a devout Christian, and then he starts at the beginning with people in mortal sin, Mm -hmm. and he teaches you how to get out of a state like that. And he goes on to all of the problems you can run into in life in the world. And he just sort of explains everything and teaches you how to make good decisions. So the decisions he helps you to make, sounds to me, are very practical decisions, looking at your life in a very down-to-earth and positive, a positively critical way. When I've read St. Francis de Sales, there's a great gentleness that comes through. There's a wit and a a gentle humor that's there. He seems to understand the, the frailty of human nature, and yet he doesn't really give you too many breaks either, does he? No, and he's very practical. He teaches you how to get around the world, how to form friendships, how to spend your leisure time, how mm-hmm. to behave at a meal, um, things that are very practical. He helps people in their social life. Right. Um, and St. Benedict is one of my favorite saints, and he does the same, as well as St. Therese of Lisieux. All the great saints seem to have this this wonderful practicality, this down-to-earth quality. Uh, have you found the same thing, Dana? Oh, very much. Very much. And I think everybody in our group would agree with that. You know, he just helps you live a better life. Now, when you mention your group, what, what do you mean by your group? The DeSales Secular Institute. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Because I know you're the directors of the DeSales Secular Institute. What is, what is a secular institute? A lot of Catholics will not understand that language and, and what you mean. A secular institute is a form of consecration mm-hmm. and 
people who join take vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience, but they live in the world. For example, a nun takes the same vows we do, only she lives in a community or in a cloister. Right. So we take those vows, but we live in the world, and we don't live in a community out in the world. We live individually in our own homes. Right. And the idea of a secular institute is to evangelize the world from within. So we're not fleeing from the world. We're trying to evangelize wherever we are in the world, whether it's at work, whether it's in the parish, in our family, or wherever we happen to be. This is fascinating and quite exciting because I know there are a lot of people out there They long to serve the Lord. They long to have a deeper commitment to Him. They long to pursue the path of perfection. But for all sorts of reasons, they're not cut out to be a monk or a nun. They're they're not really cut out for the life of being a religious sister or brother. Maybe Maybe they're too old, or maybe they have other family commitments and things like that. So you're saying that there's a way for Catholic women, and all of you are single, is that correct, in the Institute? Well, all of our members are single, but we have associate members, and most of those members are married. Good. Well, Um, let me talk to you about just the members to start with. So the members are single Catholic women who have taken vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience, who live their own lives in their own way. Now, I have loads of questions for you. This is really interesting. Who do they take their vow of obedience to? They normally do that at our annual retreats. So they're doing that with the community. We have at least one retreat a year, usually in Philadelphia, and we also have days of recollection where we Mm -hmm. get together and do those kinds of things. But when someone's taking their vows, she normally does it, you know, with the whole community there. But she takes the vow of obedience. Is the obedience vowed to her bishop or to the priest or to you as the directress? It's to the Institute. It's to, to the, the institute. institute. Okay, so so the Institute together um, have a rule that each of the members follows, and they're obedient to that rule. That's correct. Oh, so, okay. And what about the temporal needs of a person? Because if, you, if you're a, a nun or a monk or a religious brother, you take a vow of poverty, but the other side of that coin is that the community provides everything for you. So does the, the Secular Institute provide livings for, for the people? Do they provide a salary or their means to have a roof over their head, or, or do members have to provide their own? No, one of the requirements is you have to provide your own. One of the things that disqualifies a woman from membership is um, if she's not self-supporting. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and there can be a lot of reasons for that, but if you're not self-supporting, you can't join a secular institute, at least not ours, because it is for self-supporting women we have dues, and people pay into the mm-hmm. Institute if, if they're able, but um, the Institute doesn't provide a financial base shelter for or clothing or, right. or anything like let, that. Let me ask yeah. you some more questions. If a member of the DeSales Secular Institute is in, in my parish, how do I know who she is? Does she wear a habit? Does she wear a special headgear or a, a special sort of cross around her neck or something? Or is there anything like that to mark her off as a member of the Secular Institute? No, but when she comes into confession, she should tell you Mm -hmm. that she's in a secular institute and that's her state of life. Does she work in the parish? Do some of your members get involved and have, for instance, parish jobs as parish uh, catechists or evangelists and that sort of thing? They do, or parish secretary Uh or things like that, where they're even paid. Some of them have jobs where they're paid somehow by the church. I see. But But most don't. I mean, most of us are in business or teaching or nursing or something else, just to 
just a regular job. You're a category of Christians that I like to call God's secret agents. You're there undercover. Uh, you're, <laughs> you, you've got these uh, vows that you've made, and you've, you've got this fervent commitment to our Lord, which is so exciting, but you're not wearing the habit. You're there working in the ordinary world, but you have this great commitment to Him and to evangelize. And I think a lot of our Catholic people don't even know that such things exist in the Church. So I'm so delighted to talk to you today. This is Father Dwight Longenecker. You're listening to More Christianity. My guest today is Dana Eltsy, who lives in Pennsylvania. She's the directress of the DeSales Secular Institute, a community of consecrated laywomen who follow Jesus Christ in the path and the way of St. Francis DeSales. Dana, have you got some time for me to ask you a few more questions about all the work that you do? I do, and I'd like to clarify one thing about membership in secular institutes, mm-hmm. if I could, for just a minute. Our membership is exclusively for women, but there are secular institutes that are exclusively for men, there are secular institutes that are exclusively for priests, Mm -hmm. and there are secular institutes that are a combination. So they're not exclusively for women. And can you explain to our listeners why they're called secular institutes? Well, they're called secular because by nature they deal with the secular world. We're called to be seculars. We're not called to be in the world just because we couldn't make it as religious or right. or nuns. So the distinction between a religious community and a secular institute is just what you've explained. A religious community, they live together, they pray together. A secular institute, as you said, are committed to evangelize the world from within. Tell me about the associates, because you've talked about the members who are consecrated single women, but I think the associates is a category of the secular institute, which is a bit broader than that. It is, and they're kind of exclusive to us. I mean, our headquarters is in Vienna, and the Europeans have very few associates. But when they came over to the United States and started the Institute here, our founder was a Father Conmey, you know, an oblate priest in mm-hmm. Wilmington. And um, he was very big on having other people involved, married people and, and single people who might not qualify. So... So we actually have more associates than members, and most of our associates are married, and um, they share a love for the spirituality. So rather than take vows, because they're under a marriage vow, they Mm -hmm. make promises to live according to the evangelical councils, and they do a lot for us. And and what do they do? Do You mean they're involved in helping you to raise funds, or they just support you with prayer and and, uh, good works? How do they help you? For example, one of our associates did our website, and um, they do courses for us. They mm-hmm. host days of recollection for us. They pay dues. Um, they they do a lot. And Dana, with the members of the Secular Institute of St. Francis de Sales, is there room there for young women? Are your, most of your applicants sort of older women, or do you have a wide range of members? We would like to see more younger women. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is it's, the vocation isn't very well known, and we'd like to make it better known and, mm-hmm. and see some younger members. Most of the people who come to us are in their 30s, 40s, or, or early 50s. And here's the big question. You've said that your members take vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. Are those permanent vows? I mean, is it like being a nun, that this is a vow for life, or are these temporary vows which perhaps you can take for five years and then be released from them? 
Well, you can always be released. Mm -hmm. And they're temporary for the first five years. And then with your fifth renewal, they become permanent. Mm -hmm. Um, But you can always be released. You can always be released. The process becomes more difficult the longer you're in the Institute. But nobody is by any means trapped by their vows. I know the whole family of... uh Christian followers of the way of St. Francis de Sales is is huge. By the time you add all the Salesians and their different associations and groups and the Secular Institute and the Oblates and so forth, there are so many of our Catholic brothers and sisters around the world who have caught the spirit, this gentle and yet firm spirit of St. Francis de Sales as he instructs us on following our Lord Jesus Christ. I know you have a website, www.desalessecularinstitute.org. And so you have to spell out that whole um, phrase, do you, DeSales Secular Institute, uh, for your website? Correct. And what will they find on the website as they go there? Is there a page to contact you? Are there phone numbers and things like that? There are phone numbers. There, There's information about what we do, about our history. Um, we have a prayer request page if somebody needs prayer. And it basically just tells you who we are. Mm-hmm. I'm speaking to Dana Elsie, who is the directress of the DeSales Secular Institute. The Secular Institute is a Catholic organization of consecrated women who've taken vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience, living in the world, not living in a convent or living in a community, kind of like God's secret agents, living there undercover, uh, evangelizing, living the life of faith, the life of prayer, the life of holy works to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm Father Dwight Longenecker, and you've been listening to More Christianity, where we explore the fullness of the Christian faith in the Catholic Church. As we close, Dana, I want to thank you for being our guest here today. And I wonder whether you have a special favorite quote or thought from St. Francis de Sales which you would like to share with us today. Well, one of my favorite quotes is, ask for nothing, refuse nothing. And it was just his way of saying, be content with whatever God gives you. That's beautiful. And it sums up St. Francis' spirit in a beautiful way as well. Ask for nothing, refuse nothing, a kind of divine contentment, uh, trusting in God for all things and trusting in the divine providence, knowing that with him all things shall be well. Thank you so much, Dana Elsa, for joining us on More Christianity. Thank you, Father. More Christianity explores the fullness of the Christian faith in the Catholic Church and comes to you from the WCKI studios in upstate South Carolina. Tune in every week for Father Dwight Longenecker's perspectives on Catholic culture, social issues, saints, converts, and the supernatural aspects of the Catholic faith. For more about Father Longenecker's work, his website is dwightlongenecker.com. I want to take a moment and tell you about one of the books I've written. The Quest for the Creed is 20 short chapters on the Apostles' Creed. It's a Chestertonian romp through the Apostles' Creed, admitting that some of the style is a bit sort of like G.K. Chesterton. There's lots of wordplay, lots of fresh ideas, lots of new ways of looking at the Christian truths. The Quest for the Creed is on Amazon, in good bookshops, and also through my website, DwightLongenecker.com.